last time on Trials of the Apocalypse. Burnout does have a representation uh, in The Watch. There is a negative experience track called Jaded. Pasak specifically worked with fiber and textiles before and then transitioned to working with metal, creating mostly weapons, and they feel personally responsible for some of the people who died because their weapons were not good enough. When you're chosen, you are also given a like a fox kit that is raised next to you. That bond is very important. They uh, they sacrifice the fox in a ceremony that then like is supposed to bond the fox's spirit with the the human spirit. She was not about that and <laughs> couldn't kill her fox. Most of the clan's folk of her village called. We're gonna call it Dolmont. She looks another way and she's outside the gates and she's seeing Loma clutching his chest, clutching his shoulder, and there's like a smear of blood instead where the blackberry juice was. And did Fee stop? For a moment, then she kept running. You know what happened to my brother this whole time? And you didn't even try to help him or anything. Teddy, with her arms crossed, looking like she has probably been there longer than either of them would have liked. <laughs> Teddy can probably reach their arm over and is going to very quickly and very suddenly just bang them on the head. Bonk, no warning. <laughs> this stops now. We've been summoned by the marshal. All of you need to be ready at the apex. This War has gone beyond one of defense and is slowly pivoting to the offensive. Teddy, you see oh, one. You see someone yep, who immediately I just you recognize. As soon as I said this, <laughs> uh, Parda, your longtime friend uh, and the woman who you set up to lead your clan. Yep. I have done you the favor in there of securing you a meaningless mission. Interesting. A meaningless mission. That's what she says. That's what she says. Iga, who's been so patiently waiting for this conversation to wrap up, finally snaps their fingers and steps to the side uh, at attention and directs the four of you into the room. Erdo nods and begins striding into the room, presumably with the others following. Yeah. We do that. We do that. So the four of you enter the apex, and the doors are closed rather swiftly behind you by Iga. Uh, and before you, you see a ovaloid stone space that has been carved here in this mountain. And this is one of the only rooms that has what you might call windows. There are three squares, probably like twice as wide as any one of you. Um, that have been carved through what appears to be like 15 feet of rock uh, straight wow. straight to the outside. There's light sort of filtering in from there. But again, it's indirect light as <laughs> it has a long way to pass through. Um, you can see the valley below. You You know that this is on the side of a cliff and access to it would be nigh impossible, especially here on the other side, on the inner side of the mountains, uh, protected from what forces lay beyond. And... Uh, in the middle of this space uh, is a circular table built from the, the trunks of many trees. Uh, it's wide enough that 20 or 25 people could sit around it. I like the idea that this table is built out of 
like the most common or most important tree from each part of the clan lands. Interesting. So it's like got a got a bit of uh, different regional woods. Another symbol of unity. Yeah, actually, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then, yeah, so I think it's a multicolored table then. Uh, different stains have been applied or maybe even the same stain to each piece of wood and it just looks different for it. Um, so this this patchwork table, uh, it is circular and in the middle, approximately probably 15 feet in diameter. Again, this is in the middle of the table. It's a very, very large table. Uh, there is a raised fire pit that has not quite a roaring blaze, uh, but a, a well, well-to-do fire in the middle of it that casts a lot of the light in this room. But there are, again, a couple of torches on the walls uh, that do not have the, the large stone windows. Uh, and of course, there are the windows themselves, which are letting in some light from outside. And though this room was fairly bustling a moment ago, uh, at this point, there is just the field marshal uh, sitting at her usual chair, uh, built to accommodate her. I'll describe her in just a moment. Um, and then at either side, standing at attention behind her, are two uh, additional attendants uh, who who serve her. Uh, and should we interact with them, I'll give them names at that time. Um, but the field marshal, Deannis herself, um, she is... I described earlier, uh, <laughs> described someone as not being a brick shit house. Uh, boy, uh, field marshal Deannis is built. She has... She's a brick house. I want to get back to David describing the strong lady. This is this is yes. my favorite uh, part of the show. She, no, like she, uh, her her armor has had to be shaped to specially accommodate for her thick shoulders, uh, and also for the whole left half of her body because her left arm and most of her left leg uh, have both been severed in combat. Everyone knows this story. Oh. Among the shadow, there are different ranks to its hierarchy that you have sussed out over time while fighting it. At the lowest of the low, you have people who are just under the shadow's thumb who are bid by its structures to do its will. Uh, These are people who have been saved in the past through actions by the Watch. Directly above them are who you (laughs) not so lovingly refer to as the Cogs. These men have not really been transformed by the shadow. These are candidates to be transformed by it. Uh, They have been enhanced. They are relentless. Uh, They don't seem really to eat or sleep, although you suspect they must sometime. Um, But their pursuit is relentless, and they are most of the foes that you encounter in the field. Um, Above them, seen less but still encountered, uh, are the mediums. Uh, who are are women uh, who have been perfected to the shadow's liking. And they bear with them strong and mystical powers, uh, darkly sorceress, I believe, as we described in the setup for the shadow. So these these women are largely the wielders of that power, and they can be devastating in the field. But even beyond them in danger are the embers, uh, sometimes called the zealots, who are the perfected men of the shadow. And all of them, though not identical, all of them have ash-gray skin and deep red eyes. And... Perfect jawlines. <laughs> perfect jawlines. A crisp polo. <laughs> uh, like Salmon shorts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> Bruh. Let's not pretend frat boys have that much power. True. Doom. Uh but they in in battle, they're not oft seen. They're a difficult product even for the shadow to produce. It is difficult almost to call them people because their abilities are so beyond what you what you as individuals are capable of. Um the Field Marshal Deannis is the only person to fight one one-on-one and live. Wow. Um, her unit was uh, engaged in battle with one of them, uh, and everyone else in the course of it was killed till it was just her and this zealot, this ember of the shadow remaining. Uh, and she fought it to the bitter end, and she paid dearly for it. Uh, however... She did emerge victorious. Uh, it, it, I think this battle took place uh, on the edge of some cliffs, and with with her final blow to it uh, was to like run it through with her spear and just kick it off the cliffs. Hell yeah! Uh, and probably expected that she herself would fall off or die, um, but she was saved by uh, spiders who came onto the scene um, and. She was already high up in the watch at the time, and shortly thereafter was promoted to be to be I, field marshal. I have an idea. If you're okay with this, could Daddy yeah, have me. been one of said spiders? Oh, I, I was love actually going to ask yes. the same thing. Because here's I, the thing: this is as you're describing them. I was curious on a couple yeah. things. You mentioned half of their body is basically gone. Do they have a pro- any type of prosthesis similar to? what We're going to get has? that in a second. Um, okay. I think they they don't have one for their left leg. Uh, when I mentioned that her chair has certain accommodations, uh, okay, I awesome. think that. It, it has like rollers on the bottom uh, and can be can be transported. I think that's mostly how she gets around. She can like uh, I think there's a a cane that stands off uh, against one of the walls that she can use to to walk with with her leg. Um, but I think it's often she she does a lot of sitting anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and she is at this point like I, I think she has a lot of issues with phantom pains. Uh, and and other pain brought about by these injuries that makes it difficult for her to to walk for extended periods of time, uh, yeah. even with aid. All the more impressive that she keeps all this muscle mass despite her injuries. She, yeah, she she works out. <laughs> no, this is something I was going to say. I think as far as Teddy goes, um, I think t- Teddy definitely admires that level of of strength and ability to push through something um and i think that's probably one of the few reasons why she really does stick with the watch is because the person who is she in charge of all of it or is she not all the way up she is the field marshal she is tippity top okay so so that's like she um kind of in the same way that she sort of engineered things with the her clan, I think that's probably part of the reason why she really wanted to make sure. And actually, I think this is fun. We established that Teddy doesn't usually stay by her patients. I think that was one of the few cases she did. And at least in her head, it was because like, this person is clearly very strong and we will be better off with someone like them in charge of everything. It may not be affection, but it is certainly admiration. I really appreciate Teddy, the queen maker over here. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I like to think we discussed again and set up that Teddy has quite a few enemies among the upper brass of the watch. I think the field marshal is one of your uh, the the ally that prevents yes. you from being ousted. Yes, I love that. And so I think it's with a a fairly warm smile that she greets you. I'll have one last bit of description for 
for the field marshal, and that's that. Um, she does have a, a, a prosthetic for her left arm, which is which is missing all the way, like biting into the shoulder, even. Um, and she has a like wooden yoke almost around her shoulders, uh, and on the front of it, uh, it's like it's beautifully patterned. It was uh, made by a excellent uh, Tolfo craftsperson. Um, there are a series of notches in the woods that are basically like buttons. They're right below her chin. Uh, and then the the limb itself, it has like a big visible rotating flywheel in the corner. Uh, and you hear like a soft whirring of clockwork uh, that is within the limb. Uh, it doesn't have much, like I imagine it has a bit of a shell shielding it so you can't quite see its inner workings. Um, but as you come in, she, she drops her chin and hits one of these buttons there accessible to her. And you hear it like click and the, the arm slowly raised from where it was at her side and she hits another button and it goes over the table uh, and she grabs with her other hand and puts in the prosthetic hand at the end of it uh, a stick uh, which she's using to point uh, for you all to sit uh, across on the the table. Hmm. Uh, And it is probably just a little bit thinner than her other arm uh, and it is made functional by this apparatus. Um, You would know that most of the time she just sort of lets it lets it hang out there. And a lot of the time she doesn't wear it, but usually when she has need of, of a second hand, she she does. Um, it is slower moving, but it still serves a function. Uh, question. Yeah. Uh, I just I just wanted to kind of go over uh, the hierarchy of the shadow. So, yeah. I, so I have cogs, mediums, and zealots. What was, did you have a name for the lowest level? So the lowest level, uh, I don't know if I gave them a name. Uh, they're, they're basically just, think of Christ. them as just like the normal people who are under... The yeah, crumbs. Yeah, they are under the shadow's thumb. I think that these people are not like necessarily behind their shadow masters. Hmm. The, the, these are these are. How about the as, taken? As, or the taken? Taken is good. The kept kept is good. Oh, I like kept. Kept, um, kept is better. Or or the preserved. Ooh, but that almost makes it sound like the the shadow yeah, the, is doing no. a favor. Oh, but I like no, I like the preserved because there's a dual meaning to that, right? Like it's like it pickled, like pickled almost. Yeah. it's like it's like you're being maintained, uh, but also there is that notion. You know, they said they can be saved, so there is that like there is yeah. still a bit to. I like that one out of all of them. I the really most. like the idea that uh, most like the official language is that they call them the preserved, uh, but especially specific recruits and initiates who are coming in uh, sometimes refer to them as pickled. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, good. I like that. That's fantastic. Uh, and I think actually, uh, just to add a little, another layer to it, I think the shadow refers to them as the preserved. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, as as those who are shadow uh, kept. Preserved um, for what? Only the shadow knows. Yes, exactly. Uh, but these these ones were in the shadow's mind worth preserving. Um, take that however you'd like. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Um. The, the field marshal DNS, she gestures with uh, her her left her left arm, her prosthetic. Uh, it clicks and whirs as it navigates across the table and gestures for you all to take a seat. Um, and she gestures with her other hand for you to be at ease. Erdo relaxes her arms, pulls out a chair, sits down, and nods in respect towards Dianas. Yeah, I think... Uh, she she nods at each of you um, as you enter, uh, and she she gives a particularly meaningful nod to Teddy uh, when she comes in. 
But otherwise, do you all arrange yourself there? Yep. Yeah. Teddy will give a nod back. Okay. It's probably the only time any of them have seen her be remote, like anything remotely approaching affection. Yeah. Fee gives her like a very slight smile and sits down. Welcome. I hope, I hope Iga didn't give you too much trouble. Erdo gives a curt shake of her head. None more than usual. And she gives a wry <laughs> uh, chuckle at that. Um, I think it it is not lost on you that the uh, the field marshal she somehow retains her her levity, her her joy uh, in all this. Um, certainly made of steel at many times, but that that element is not lost on her, and she with the hand that she had put the, the rod in to point for you all to sit, uh, she clicks with her chin again on one of the buttons, uh, and that arm lowers and points and taps a few times before she clicks another button so it stops at a position on the map in front of her, uh, which is arrayed out and set down with, you know, I almost imagine like little little pieces of quartz or something nice, like mm. heavy but nice rocks. We're in, a, we're in an old mine right now. There's some cool stuff sitting around. Uh, it's going to make its way up to here. Uh, and so set out with a, a couple of nicer looking uh, stones. Uh, there's a, a large map unfurled of the clan lands uh, and the stick is tapping uh, there just behind the foothold itself, uh, deeper in the mountains. And she she says to you, I've I've got a bit of a, a bit of a fun one for you. Do you think that? Your troops are up to a stint in the mountains, Erdo. Yes, Field Marshal. It'll be two days' journey. You are heading to a small, shadow-held community, previously of the Molthus clan. Fee is perking up. She perked up at first when you said the mountains. Yeah, Fee, you notice as she's tapping on the map that the end of the stick is suspiciously close to the area that you used to call home. Uh, And your worst fears, deepest hopes, uh, are realized as she says, the name of this is Dolment. Erdo, your squad is going to be leading a platoon there to liberate it from the shadow. So, uh, Pasak's ears perked up when Diana said fun because yeah, of Pasak, course. Pasak is like, oh, something fun for once? Hell yeah. And then, and then they got pers- like more and more like, oh no, this sounds boring. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Do Fee and, uh, and Pasak share a look? I, I think he definitely looks at Pasak. I, I think Pasak will, will look at Fee, but then immediately look away, remembering the events of this morning. Yeah. Just, like, they look feeling, at each other and then immediately look away. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. There's like, there's like, I'm sure that the whole room can feel the like palpable, like discomfort. <laughs> Erdo, I think sitting towards the center of the squad looks left looks right, makes a note of asking them about whatever's going on later, and I, focuses on Dianus. I feel like Pasak like, tenses up and Fee, like, shrinks. <laughs> yeah. How, how is Teddy doing? That's what I was thinking. Um, 
I don't think that there's any particular reason for any of this info to elicit a particularly strong reaction. This feels like pretty standard stuff, right? Go and somewhere liberate it. This is the first mission that your squad has received to liberate a held territory. Okay. Um, so so as we discussed earlier uh, with uh, Erdo's, uh, the question I asked her about, you know, w- what she saw in people that that spoke of the fact yeah, that shifting to an things were, were now turning in the war. Um, I think very recently was the first victory in retaking any sort of significant settlement from the shadow. Um, like maybe maybe uh, less than a month ago. Then one thing I'll just say as far as Teddy goes is probably the only people in the room that would really have any chance of reading this would be either Danis or Erdo might, um, is that probably what's going on in Teddy's head is the word meaningless is stuck in it. So she's trying to think yeah. of like, why, why, okay, why is this meaningless? Why is it not? She's trying to connect whatever that cryptic thing Parta said was about. Yeah. So you have that uh, flitting through Teddy's mind uh, and uh, Danis continues. Now, this is part of a grander operation. We are coordinating with many platoons, deploying them across the area to take back. And she, again, clicks with her chin and the arm moves and it draws the stick across the map to carve a fresh line. Uh, Like, you know, the the path of it It doesn't actually tear the map or anything, but the the path of the stick carves a fresh line across it. Uh, That is many miles beyond where the line currently is on the map, denoting the edge of the shadow-held lands. Uh, and, and she says, We uh, have a grand plan at recovering much of, especially the Tolso and Thason lands, as we need more of that fertile soil. We also have, and again, she she clicks, and the <clears throat> and the arm moves uh, to to come back to the mountains. And we also, in support of that, will need to ensure that we are not flanked from the shadow. So there are some smaller communities in the mountains that must be reclaimed. One is your duty. Erdo speaks up. An offensive like this is huge. Why did you call us first? I've not seen other squads coming to and from the apex yet today. The announcement has been made only recently with the upper brass. We're trying to send out groups like yours early so that you may reach your destination as the greater assault begins. We are trying to reduce the chance of spies from within. We all, and I think her eyes linger on Teddy especially for a moment, we all know that the Shadow would like to know what we are planning. Hmm. What 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 expression is she giving Teddy? Is it one of like be aware or of y- y- I I think you might be a target through No, no 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 okay. no, the opposite. Yeah, no no, she, her eyes linger on you because she knows she knows that you 
especially in this room, are familiar with the ways of the shadow. I have have a, a particular relationship with it that she views as valuable. Okay, wonderful. Um, like then I Teddy is going to that. Knowing that and acknowledging that, Teddy will pause and will look at her and say, how many people know? How many of you on this room know where we're headed? Uh, she, <laughs> I think she she gestures with uh, her, her right arm quickly to the two behind her, to those of you in front of her, uh, and then she points at the door. Uh, just you here before me now and the clan's folk who just left. We were coordinating which platoons we thought best to send for the different missions in the coming days. Teddy nods, thinking through. Um, how soon are we expected to leave? I hope your bags are packed. Swiftness is ideal. When when she says that, Teddy is, I think, going to give Pasak and Fee just sort of a look of like... <laughs> A lot of things going on in her head. These are not the two people that she would really love to be with, especially Pisak. And Fee in as much as Fee continues to fraternize <laughs> with Pisak. Um, Fee is staring very strongly at this point at the spot on the map where the the village is. Yeah. I, I think that I th- I think that Teddy might be surprised to see a look of determination on Pisak's face rather than like boredom, disinterest, or like whatever. Okay. Because 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 right now Pasak is thinking, maybe my brother isn't dead. And if I have mm-hmm. an opportunity to do something about that, I'm going to. I mean, you know, like, but, but yeah, P- Pasak, okay. Pasak looks very determined right now. That response just gets, you know, a variable somewhere in Teddy's head gets adjusted by a few decimal points or something. <laughs> 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 I think Erdo... Seeing Fee's hyper-focus really tries her best to just suss out how she's feeling and, like, what she might be thinking. Uh, I guess, how apparent is your reaction to this, Fee? Uh, that thousand-yard stare is definitely back. Yeah. Um, she stopped shrinking, and she's like... I think leaning closer toward that spot on the map as if like, I, I think if you were not paying very close attention, you might think that she was like nodding off, but everybody is sitting close enough to see that like she is boring into the map with her eyes as if she's trying to like be able to see the village as it is now on the map. As if she's hoping it'll, like, reveal itself to her. Uh, ooh, oh, that's a really interesting way of wording that. Um, you have a move, Read the Bones, yeah? Uh-huh. Um, so you have a, uh, a relationship to the spiritual and specifically to, to prognostication, uh, through your connection to, uh, a fox spirit who you were once close to in its life. Um, and I think given your incomplete connection within it, you didn't finish the rights that your clan has 
or establishing that soul bond with the spirit. I think its its presence in your life is fickle and sometimes mischievous. <laughs> um, and I think as you as you stare at the map and try to like just desperately know what it is like there, uh, I would like you to roll read the bones. I can do that. As I think for a moment, the image of that fox statue uh, out there by your encampment flashes through your mind uh, and something in you triggers a, a, a sensation that you're familiar with. Um, read the bones. Okay. Uh, so the way that this goes uh, says when you divine someone's fortune for them, roll with luck. And then based on that, uh, it talks about camaraderie and taking plus one forward. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm good with this. I would love to use this move at the moment. Uh, but whose fortune am I divining? Um, well, here's my question. You are thinking of your of your home, of your of your village, of your town. Um, who are you most worried for in this moment? Those who are there or someone among your group when you arrive or. Uh. I think she's mostly thinking about Pasak. Then I think this is reading the bones regarding Pasak. Oh right. boy. I am so scared. <laughs> <laughs> that's so an that's eight. an eight. So read what happens with an eight. Okay. When you divine someone's fortune for them, roll with luck. On a hit, the MC will tell you something your character should know that they don't already. On a 10 plus, if you're honest with them about your divination, take one camaraderie with them. If you lie about it, take plus one forward against them. On a 7 to 9, the spirits force your hand. You must speak truthfully. Okay. This is good. No, this is good. Um, this is really good. This is very ink-free. Uh, I'm excited. Oh, boy. So, what you know is that Posick's brother Loma is dead. Like, you... In, in that moment, I think especially given the dream you had that morning, you're concerned for Basak, and you're thinking about that memory of, of seeing Loma probably dying there at the fence line and you just marching on. Um, and I think the that detail that your connection to, to foxes, to the spirits, to the future tells you is that Loma's dead. That's terrible. <laughs> That's such a terrible situation you just put me in. What, where I want to drop back in is just you have had this vision, and I think that Field Marshal Deannis, she makes eye contact with you. Fee, like I, I think you are staring intently at the map. You've just had this very clear sensation, vision of the fact that uh, Loma is, is dead. And you know this deeply, the way that you've known you've known something anytime you've divined. And this vision has completed itself. You are just just a little bit more exhausted than you were the moment before, even with everything that's happened that morning. And I, I feel like actually add one more weary. Yeah. Yeah, that's ask. reasonable. Uh, <laughs> uh we're we're Playing playing by uh, Calvin Ball a little bit uh, with, no, with tossing these wearies out, but I do actually prescribed by the system have have the authority to dole those out when it makes sense, and I feel like both these times have made sense so far. Um, Agreed. So so out of weary, 
Um, you're feeling this. Uh, and you feel the pressure of Deannis' gaze. Uh, in, in lots of games I've run that have had, like, encounters with gods, I've described often that the way, like, when, when their gaze settles on you, you feel it. Like, you feel like you are being analyzed, like you are being digested almost. Your, your being is. Um, I imagine falling under Deannis' like, intense gaze is very much like that. Um, where you you know that she's watching you and that she's looking at you and you look up and right as she's about to speak, I think you blurt out whatever you're going to blurt out. What do you say, Fee? I, I meet her gaze, but then I look back down at the map because I cannot meet Pasak's eyes and I just say, Loma is gone. Pasak... I think their face twists from determination into anger. And I think I think that they bang their hands on the table just almost involuntarily and stand up. You couldn't just let me have the slightest bit of hope. Sorry. And they just sit back down and just stare like not even at the map, just like straight down. I think actually Teddy shoots Erdo a glance like, are, are you going to handle that or am I going to have to? I think Erdo, in her kind of light tush fashion, first gives Fee a look for blurting out this horrible truth. I, I mean, I don't, do you know who Loma is? She doesn't, but from context? Yeah, <laughs> fair. Uh... <laughs> Especially having lost as many comrades as Erdo has, like she's got the vibe. And and you'd be aware of of Fee's ability to read fortunes, yeah. right? Absolutely. If it like, helps anyone at all, I think that Fee is like wiping away a couple of tears. Teddy Teddy is rolling her eyes at all of this. <laughs> uh, Erdo lays a heavy hand on Pasak's shoulder, both as. Keep it together, initiate, and I'm here for you. Aw. It's a, it's a twofold wait. Uh, Pisak, like, chafes just a little bit, but, like, tries to basically not shrink away from it just because, like, they're trying not to make things worse than they already have by reacting so strongly. I think once things have simmered down for a second, and Ar- Erdo leaves her hand there, and looks to Field Marshal Dianus and says, Our apologies. Please, continue. Erdo. Your initiates require discipline. I shall see to it, Field Marshal. And uh, Dianus looks at you, uh, Pasak, and I think she casts a glance at Fee, but doesn't respond to her part in this immediately. I think, I don't know if she frowns as much upon uh, Fee providing potentially helpful information, uh, even even though it is emotionally impactful. Um, I think she sees she sees my face too. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She sees what I look like, and she's definitely met vixens before. I imagine. Yes. So she can put it together that, like, I'm not just saying a thing. I'm like. No, this, this is really good. Uh, I think. 
I'll, one brief thing I'll add is when uh, Deannis makes that comment about your initiates require discipline, Teddy does have this look of like, that's what I've been saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, she looks at both of you, but I think her words are directed to you, Pasak. I don't know who you've lost or what the shadow has taken from you. But don't let it have it all. Understood. Understood. For now, you all have a mission to do. I hope your passions empower you. And no more. You're dismissed. Erdo gives a nod of respect to Field Marshal Dianus and in one practiced motion scoots back from the table stands up at this point letting her hand fall free and gestures for her squad to rise and follow. Uh, Fee's gonna get up and very quickly, like, rifle through a little bag and take out another charm and hand it to Dennis. <laughs> uh, what's this one? This one is uh, a small string of wooden beads in different colors. And it's mostly used for protection against any force that would want to harm you. And it's also given to people who are in pain. Uh, I think she accepts it from you with maybe even, like, the softest look on her face you've ever seen. She appreciates this gesture. And she she says to you, don't lose. Don't lose that, young vixen. That takes her back a little bit because, like, Nobody has called her a vixen since she was in training. It's it's like being slapped to attention, but not necessarily in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of blinks mm. and she nods and like turns. You are burdened with purpose and power. Glorious purpose. <laughs> not that kind. <laughs> the opposite (laughs) it's also interesting because it's coming from an older woman right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes which i imagine carries a little bit of extra weight to it oh yeah yeah cool so we're just headed out right Uh, do i understand the concept yeah i I, you you all are dismissed uh and you you leave you leave the apex Hello, it's me, your MC, David, here in our mid-break. Thank you for joining us for The Watch. I hope you're enjoying your taste of the drama that this game engenders. And that drama hits so much harder thanks to Dana, who wrote the score on top of playing in our game. I, I can't thank her enough for her hard work helping to craft the tone of this story. And I must thank the rest of our players as well, Emma, Nix, and Jell, for breathing such just incredible life into these characters, uh, if it weren't for them, the story wouldn't be wouldn't be what it is. 
And if you've been enjoying this one or other stories we've told, consider leaving us a review or sharing the show with a friend. And if you want to hear more from us and the shows we like, you can find us on Twitter at TOTA Podcast. That's T-O-T-A Podcast. Uh, And also in the Cast Junkie Discord server. We've got a channel there and we're always sharing clips and chatting and, and you're welcome to come and join us there. We've got a great community going. All links are in the show notes as always. At the end of our episode today, I also have a promo waiting for you from a superb Lancer actual play podcast called Bring Your Own Mech. It's a story of four mech pilots on an anime-style epic through the barely known corners of the universe. Reed plays from Twitter, jams the story, and it is so... It, it's just... It's just so fun. They make it so fun. <laughs> Do yourself the favor of checking them out after our show. I'll talk to you next time. Enjoy the rest of our episode. Bye for now. Having witnessed that outburst, as soon as they're out of earshot of Iga, I think Erdo would absolutely be turning to... Pasak and Fee and asking what happened I need to know so we can stand strong <laughs> I like the idea that we both kind of stand there <laughs> not looking at each other uh-huh and like it takes both of us quite a moment for either of us to respond. I think that um, Pasak, perhaps unwisely, will say uh, after a while, um, perhaps you should ask Faith. She seems to remember quite well what happened. Erdo turns to Fee and leaves the space open if she chooses to take it. It takes her a few breaths of space and she like she steadies herself she like (sighs) we're going to my home Erdo gets she normally holds herself in as neutral of a face as she can Maybe oftentimes slightly pissed off. Bursting <laughs> um, bitch face. Not like 100% of the time, but on occasion, like, her own inner struggle with shadow is a lot of it trying to fight self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And so when, like, that bubbles up anyway, like, she'll get a sour look on her face and keep it for a while. Uh, and she says, I'm sorry. We've all lost a lot in this. We'll point out that that doesn't answer who Loma is, though. Yeah. Does Pasak like... Yeah, I think think Pasak is annoyed by the fact that you're leaving out what they feel is the most important detail, and I think they just sort of snap to Erdo and say, Our brothers were married. Erdo... I don't have the English word for it, but you know the way someone might 
huff when the breath has emotionally been taken out of them and it's like, damn, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the way Erdo responds in the moment and says, and she says, damn, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she kind of like tugs on a glove and like brushes against plate on her greaves and says, most of those wounds will never fully go away, but they scar over time. And the way I keep moving forward is honoring their memory, fighting so that none others fall. And I know that may not be of comfort in this terrible moment, but I hope you keep it in mind. I'm always there for all of you. And she looks to Pasak, then Fee, then Teddy. Teddy's walked off, I will say, by this point to take care of her stuff. She wouldn't be around to listen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Every pep talk. Uh, yeah, er- Erdo's, Erdo's used to seeing Teddy. Yeah. If you want her to stay, you will have to moments. explicitly make it clear you want her to stay or or pull rank in some capacity. Because otherwise, if she thinks she has the freedom to do what she wants, she's going to just go off. She has no time for the I, bullshit. I think I think Teddy does head off uh, mm-hmm. to do her thing. I you mentioned that you maybe wanted Erdo present for that, so maybe yeah, you she's say probably as waiting much. in your tent rather impatiently, just like okay, you know, wrap up the pep talk with the kids and get over here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think no, before we before we move past this. Yeah. Uh, I think Erdo needs to uh, roll open up to someone. Excellent. That's, That's what smart. I was aiming for. Yeah. Oh, that is a oh, 13. Nice. Woo! So, uh, on, I'm so glad that we actually get to announce what these are now. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> when you open up to someone, you roll with valor. Uh, on a hit, your words and actions touch their heart. Uh, on a 10 plus, choose two of the following. Uh, gain camaraderie with them. They must promise you something. Uh, you lower your weary by one. Ask them, what is your character thinking right now? Or you take plus one forward to your next roll. Um, additionally, if they respond to your vulnerability with compassion or respect, uh, they can choose one of these for themselves as well. I think Erdo is going to choose... Well, okay, first off, uh, ruling here. Yeah. Since she's kind of addressing both of them uh i don't know if i, I think this is mostly with pasak right now i, okay. I it, it is definitely addressing both of them okay but i think specifically the person who is most upset here i think is pasak uh cool. so so erdo then what which two do you prefer erdo takes uh camaraderie with pasak and plus one forward i imagine in the form of just like being a stabilizing presence to make sure the mission goes well. I like that. Um, mark down that you have plus one forward somewhere so that you remember it because if anything is true for, for any listener out there who's listened to any of our games, <laughs> I am prone to forgetting things that we indicate Yeah, we should remember. <laughs> I actually like that a lot that this is more for Pasak than it is for Fee because I was going to say I think Fee hasn't necessarily tuned out what you're saying. But she's very troubled at the moment, mm-hmm. and she's she's not necessarily helped by 
what you have have shared with her advice wise. So I think she she just sort of nods as like unemotionally as as she can be at the moment. She just looks tired. That's fair. Um and she she says with respect, Corporal, we need to pack. We do. And I imagine it may be common knowledge by now that Erdo, I mean, by virtue of rank as well, but she's been around for a bit. And I think when the squad was formed, it was formed out of whole cloth, the four of them, which does not normally happen. It means Erdo's previous squad got wiped out or something. Like, hmm. It's no secret that Erdo has been through it. So how does how does Pasak respond to her words? Pasak, I think, breathes heavily because they're trying very much not to cry. And they just kind of nod and agree. We've all we've all lost a lot to the shadow. I feel so much guilt that I couldn't protect him. And I think all of us know what that feels like. Erdo nods. None of us carried swords then. (sighs) Or if you did, maybe it was one of the crap ones I made. Oof. Damn, I think that's I think that's scene transition. Yeah, uh, Teddy, somewhere back I, from her tent. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, she wouldn't actually say that. She wouldn't be here, and she's not focused on any of this right now. Can I add one more thing? Yeah, what do you got? Uh, Fee left the conversation with Erdo and Pasak uh, a little bit before Pasak did, and so by the time that uh, Pasak comes back into their tent. As they're packing up on their bed, they find a uh, a little charm that's very similar to the one that she gave Field Marshal Dianis, but it's made of bone. I do. I do think we're transitioning scenes there. I like that. Um, it's not a ton of time later, but it's some time later. As Erdo, uh, you, I think you've already finished gathering your things from your tent, and you go over uh, shortly before you all are planning to depart. Uh, to Teddy's tent. To te- <laughs> Teddy's tent. Going over to that tent. Uh, Teddy tent. <laughs> oh my god. No. You go over to Teddy's Teddy's tent uh, after uh, she had urged you to come and join her there after the meeting. Uh, question, how much yeah, because how much uh, flexibility, especially as someone of I forget what's one below, I forget the rank she's in, but Warden maybe? Um how much would someone of her position have the ability to sort of personalize her environment? So I, I've got I've got a painting the scene question here for you that I just thought of. And that's when Erdo enters your tent, uh, what in Teddy's tent is like clearly there because of her profession and service to the watch as a spider? And what in there is her definitely breaking some rules that's not supposed to be in there? Excellent. Uh, Because I feel like she has a combination of both of those things. So you're going to see that there is actually very, very little. Um, Here, Teddy isn't someone who collects a ton of things. Um, There is a bedroll somewhere off kind of to the side, mostly leaving space in the middle. And actually, this is actually, oh, yes, this is perfect. Um, So when I was younger, I used to play a lot with Legos. And 
the main thing that I would lay my room out was to have as much space in the middle so I could just spread my Legos out on the floor. And so what you see is that she has like medical kits, um, other supplies like that, uh, things to tinker with the device on her arm. Um, and what she is currently doing, uh, it's probably cleaner than usual because she is kind of packing things up, but it's taking her a little bit because she tends to spread out when she works. The thing that she has that is definitely breaking some rules, um, I envision that because she works a lot with or tries to communicate with the shadow that she has some type of object some way in which to facilitate that i don't know if it would be something she collected from a fight if other people want to weigh on this i'm fine but like uh i've I've got a i've got a detail i could give you there okay um i think that the mediums uh the the women in service of the shadow uh who are in possession of some powerful uh sorcery um, I think they all wear these circlets around their heads. Yep. Um, that are are made out of forged steel, uh, the same kind you would use to make a blade. Yep. Uh, these these circlets are of fine make, uh, well tooled, and I think you have one of those circlets oh, that was yes. taken from one of those uh, one of those mediums when they were killed on in battle. Yep. I'll actually add another uh, character building detail to that. One of the reasons, maybe not the only reason, but one of the reasons that Teddy hasn't changed sides is she sees those mediums. She's like, I'm not going to be one of those. I'm one of those prissy looking little motherfuckers. <laughs> Hell no. Um, but I will, I will get one of their things because she recog- that's, that's a big thing. She's very pragmatic and recognizes utility and morals are second to that. Um, so I think you would probably see her packing up her stuff getting ready um the yeah another thing i will say is the the circlet right it is laying down there it's just laying among the other things she's not giving it any reference it's mm-hmm. just another tool sitting amongst these things yeah i, like I that. love that <laughs> um yeah you know she treats it with the respect you know she's not going to break it or anything but it's not special in any sort of you know idealist way um yeah so that's what you would see and actually i think um she glances up to identify that it's you and then glances down and then the first thing she's just going to say you know that you're going to get likely both of them and us killed if you continue to be that soft on them I think Erdo hardens up a slight bit and says a tree bends in the wind by the strength of its roots a poorly made wall topples is that from your clan, or did you spend all day coming up with that one? <laughs> Erdo eye rolls, used to this back and forth, and yes. says, Yes, and it's true. Mm. <laughs> Teddy, I, Teddy's main thing when, you know, there's a slight chance someone might have a one-up on her is to just kind of change the subject and move on, and not, not acknowledge <laughs> yeah. much of anything. Um... She pauses, and she just, um... uh, So let me establish, I guess, just so that I kind of want to describe this a little bit in Media Res, but I also want to give Nyx a chance to know what is about to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. What Teddy's going to do is that she is going to... um, She's going to grab... And in fact, I'll just describe this as she does it, because I think she would assume that you would know what is about to happen, um, because that's why you're here. So she is going Mm -hmm. to grab the circlet and kind of just set it in her lap um, clearly sort of saving it for the next step but she doesn't need it quite just yet 
Um, she's going to clear out a little bit, kind of again, I'm going off with, this is what I would do when my Legos got too scattered. I just sort of maybe push my legs out or pushing things around, um, create a little bit more space. She, this does not look like setting up for like a great ritual or anything. This is just, all right, mm-hmm. let me get some space to do this thing. Um, and what she's going to do is out of one of the bags, she's going to grab a, um, a band of spider silk that has been dyed black and is like, it is just a band and she's going to use it as a blindfold. Um, cause what she's going to do is blindfold herself as like a sensory deprivation sort of thing. And then she's going to put the circlet on and that is how she's going to basically try to tap into what the shadow was doing. And what she mainly, I'll just, you know, Erdo, you can decide how you react to this. What she mainly wants Erdo to do is just make sure and Erdo doesn't even necessarily have to be in the tent, although they can be, it's up to them. Just make sure no one comes through and sees them like this. Because they, they're going to zone out for a stretch. Oh yeah, I think for wardens and others, uh, tents starting to climb the officer ranks, the tents have like a flap, you can tie closed the flaps, and she does just that before like slipping under. And she's still got all her armor and garb on her, and just kind of plants her feet ready to straight up tackle Teddy. Like, I think this is a routine they're, the two of them are used to now. I think the way it's done is still very crude, with quite literally Erdo tackling Teddy and removing the circlet as fast as possible if something goes wrong. So question, the way you're describing it, has it has it, it's, it's gone bad before then, I assume, is what you're describing, which I'm fine with. It's certainly not going to stop Teddy from doing it again. Yeah, I have to imagine with how dangerous the shadow is, it has happened at least once. And maybe, like, nothing super bad happened, but still, it was enough to set the precedent of, okay, yeah. need to be really ready here. Um, I got, Briefly, I'll just add in response to your thing. I think the one time, once or twice, you've had to tackle Teddy, like, probably begrudgingly, you know, she knows that's what you're there for. She definitely would have liked, like, at least another second or two to get more info. <laughs> I was almost there. Yeah, no, no, that is like, because she, tr- like, she's, she understands, in a way, in a way she does appreciate, she's not so stubborn that she doesn't appreciate an outside perspective, recognizing she's making herself vulnerable, but she definitely trusts her own judgment more than anyone else's. It's just sort of, she has to in this case, and she doesn't love that. Mm-hmm. I get that, yeah. And, si- tiny detail, I like to imagine that the circlet still has a bit of shadow magic active on it. So no matter how many times it's tossed to the floor, dropped to the mud, whatever, it just stays clean. You you could drop this thing in a pile of mud, and when you pulled it out, it would be sparkling. Yep. It's like it's uh, hydrophobic, almost. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and also, I'll, I'll add a little detail. When you Each time you put it on your head, it's a little harder to take it off. It, it feels like it is constricted slightly. She Oof. only is annoyed by the physical discomfort of that. Doesn't read into <laughs> any of the symbolism. And another thing I'll and just it, say, just in addition to the cute details, she does actually take a little bit more detail to clear out a longer space behind her, having been tackled once before and probably landing on something <laughs> she didn't want to. Erdo nods in approval. She is fully ready to full body, full force tackle. Like, yeah, I'm imagining Erdo no like, fucking with this. Erdo's like planting her feet. And oh, like yeah. she's she looks like a uh, linebacker. <laughs> I love, love that. This image. Uh, I think it's I think it's time, uh, Teddy. Yeah. Let the shadow in. Okay, as I get my dice ready to roll, that's with uh, 
Actually, so that is uh, you roll the number of jaded moves you've earned. Uh, since we're yes. starting from from a blank slate here, that's zero. zero. Yeah. That's plus zero. I'm just checking what moves I have in case I need to. I know that I have one which helps me. Uh... Yeah. So you cannot roll a miss. Yes. On this. Yes. Uh, a miss is considered a seven to nine, and a seven to nine is considered a ten plus because okay. of. So I'm just basically rolling straight two d six, and I can't roll a miss. Right. Uh, yes. Okay. Yep. You got the it. last thing I'll just say before I roll this is the last thing that she does is she does take off the um, the attachment on her arm and you can you can see the stump of her arm. But that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Here we go. I got a seven, which I think means I can treat that as a success, right? Because it goes Add, up one. Uh, ten plus. You got it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, baby. on a ten plus, the details are clear and distinct. Uh, when you let the shadow in to gain hidden knowledge or insights, you roll with your number of jaded moves. On a hit, I will tell you something new about the current situation through dark visions and portents. Do I need to give you any context for what she would be looking yes, for? Yes, I was about okay. to ask. Uh, give me the the angle of your approach as far as what you're trying to determine. Sure. So let let me, you know, uh, let's just hash this out so that I know the sharpest question I could answer from what Teddy would know. She knows that they're leading an assault on this mountain right she knows that there are other um other mountains that they're taking geographically speaking are these mountains all in a similar area so specifically uh they're i'll I'll add a little bit of uh just extra knowledge for you here so basically there's like a whole strip of mountains behind where the foothold is the foothold is in the foothills of this grand mountain range which the Molthas used to call home um, and have since largely moved out of because they were so fractured and and uh, it, it's sort of a diaspora, the Molthas at this point, uh, spread out across lots of areas. Um, but that used to be their their clan's lands. Uh, and in specific, your group has been given the job of clearing and and taking back a particular village uh, on a mountain there behind where the foothold is. Um, it's about two days journey. Um, and then there are a couple other missions similar to that that are taking back small communities there in the Got mountains. Got it. So it's not just in the mountains, uh, it's in other places too. Yeah. And so then okay. the main, so like th- this is, I think, uh, tying back a little bit to what you heard from Parda. Um, the mission you've been given is almost ancillary to the primary objective, yes. which is yes. retaking some of the fertile lands of uh, Thaisen and Tolfo um, for for herding and for for farming um, and reclaiming much of that for the watch. Um, but these operations happening in the mountains are to prevent the shadow from sweeping in from the hills. So I will say the information that she's tempted to get then, knowing that this is understanding a bit more that it's ancillary, would definitely be like, how can I use this mission to get more info? I don't, but I think she's pragmatic enough to know that she needs to get out of this alive. So what she's yeah. probably going to consider is, in her mind, where they're probably going to be outnumbered, um, and so she wants to know a way using the terrain and the fact that they might have the advantage of surprise and as much as possible, how they can get rid of a lot of people, enemies very, very quickly in like a trap or a fell swoop or something like that. Okay. That, that feels to me like two angles and I, I want one because I already okay. have an idea brewing. No, so she's, she's eschewing the first one. I'm saying that she knows that that's not uh, that. Sorry, I should have delineated that better. Like that was me saying, I know those are two angles and I know that I have to pick between one. So I am picking the second one. Okay. So you want to know like how, how can you make this quick or more efficient or. Or at the very least, even, yeah, surprise them or even the odds very, very quickly since she's expecting to be outnumbered. But she knows that because of that, they might have the advantage of surprise. And, you know, you could cause a mountain slide. You could do different terrain-based things. She's, she's trying to think from that angle. 
So, okay. This is good. This is, I like this. You are weightless floating in your mind with your eyes covered in the circlet on your head uh, as you let that, that tether form uh, that connects you to, to the shadow and its forces. For the moment, you don't have any of its attention. You, you, you know when the shadow has noticed you in the past when you've done this. Uh, and this this is not one of those times you enter that connection and you are a small speck uh, and a grand connected consciousness that you it is unaware of you for the moment um, and you are suspended in nothing and with a, a crackle the world whips into view uh, and you sense more than see a, a circle of tall wooden stakes in the form of a fence line is around a small community. Although there has been new barricades erected, you can still see the char on much of the original fence line from around where the gates used to be. And rather than your vision showing you greater signs of this fortification or what, what foot soldiers may be on the ground with them, uh, your vision immediately pans to the well in the middle of this village. It is dark. Uh, there, there is no water you see bubbling there. Uh, it is dark and seems to descend forever in your vision. And as your <laughs> your out of body experience uh, takes you down deeper into it, you you don't feel the notice of the shadow itself, but you feel like you're you're somewhere where you shouldn't be. You've stepped into someone else's domain, into someone else's territory. It is when you enter a room and there's a conversation going on that nobody wanted you to hear. It is dark, it is foreboding, it is deep within this well. And there you see uh, not one, but two mediums there in the darkness and before them is a massive pool of water and you see them chanting something above it and as you you see this your vision obscures as erdo teddy is having this visual experience uh and a few seconds 30 45 seconds into this um teddy begins to like ever so slightly raise off the ground uh, and it's not like extreme at first. In fact, it takes you a few seconds to even notice it. But it starts to grow more pronounced, and you feel a heaviness in the air, like almost choking. Uh, and I think it's at that moment that you tackle. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Erdo will, if something's mildly spooky, thin ice. Choking sensation? Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Full-on, practiced, right shoulder into center of so chest. What is this experience like for Teddy? That's what I want to know. So so for you, Teddy, uh, just as swiftly as this vision was sort of like, as you connected and you were just brought to the the idea that you were searching for, uh, for, for some of the knowledge that you were seeking, you just as instantaneously are like ripped back to reality. I think like the tackle knocks the... Uh, the the veil across your eyes right off, sure. uh, and the like 
even though this room was darkened there for a moment, the the light in this space, as compared to the darkness you were actually under, uh, is like shocking to your system. Yeah. And the two of you like tumble across in the tent. <laughs> Erdo, she like rips the circlet off of Teddy's head and throws it to the ground and stomps. It. <laughs> it provides some resistance, but it does come off. Um, yeah, Teddy. Teddy probably winces a little bit. And actually, Teddy's whole body language is. This is a very funny, and I feel like we know each other enough that I can make this. She looks like you blue balled her, basically. Um, <laughs> like you just got her right before a climax and then stopped, and she is not happy about that. Uh, I could I could provide a more PG-13 version of that description if you'd like. We have a fairly not PG-13 podcast. Okay, so. then that's what I'm going to go with. But that is based, but like she looks like, again, she gets it. She understands why you're here, and so she and she knows that she asked you here. She's not going to be like too annoyed, but but just she is definitely having to force down frustration. She is doing that, but she is having to. After having disarmed the circlet, Erdo leans over and offers a hand to Teddy for getting up and asks. I think she's learned not to ask, "Are you all right?" And instead asks, what did you learn? Yeah, much better. Uh, She does take your hand. Um, She pauses and she thinks, because it was a bit of a perplexing. I think probably what sits with her is on some level in kind of like a making the game mechanics a little bit text. I think she has an intent, right? And so she knows that whatever she's going to have. And so she wanted to find a way to even the odds. And what it showed her was not the obvious thing that she thought it might. So she's clearly trying to think of how those connect. There's a well in the center of the village. It goes down extensively. And it appears they have a couple mediums down there preparing or casting something. Um, I am not entirely sure how best to access it or exactly what to do when we get there, but it's... If my intent was correct, which it usually is, if we interfere with what it is they're doing there, we might be able to even the odds for ourselves rather quickly. Erdo nods and says, It could be poison or, for the shadow, power, for they're one and the same. Thank you. We should pack extra water and make sure our supplies are topped up before we... Reach the village proper. Teddy nods. Um, you would be able to tell. You know not to ask if she's all right. Uh, in addition to sort of my, my joke about looking like she was uh, denied, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. She picks up the circlet and she goes to kind of pack it up. Definitely, like, hesitates a little bit when putting it down. Erdo watches very closely. She does pack it up. She does, eventually. Um, It's just you can tell that if she felt secure enough to do this on her own, she would be doing it on her own and she would be in there a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Which which probably affirms to you that it's a good idea that you're here and doing this, I would imagine. Oh yeah, Erdo's watching that slight hesitation with knowledge. That's good. But Teddy, um, yeah, Teddy goes back to packing everything up. She's going to be ready on time, just fine. 
She gets her Legos picked up. (laughs) (laughs) David, are you just checking something or? Yeah, I'm just checking something in the book Uh, because they do like the semicolon and then mark jaded or weary. I'm not sure if that means that no matter what you mark jaded or weary with let the shadow in. I'm happy to mark jaded. I don't care. I I think that means on a partial success. Yeah, I think so. Um, I although I do like the idea with this that not that no matter what that will always happen, but I think in this circumstance, especially as you've described it, like her. Wishing that she could have been in there longer, oh, yeah. uh, like reaching reaching for it a little bit upon leaving. Uh, that I think you're going to mark jaded. I'll, no, and I'll just flavor that a little bit more. I think it is this thing where she is like, if I did not have to stick to these stupid regulations, like yeah, I'll emphasize Teddy absolutely will respect authority on the appropriate conditions. What she does not respect is what she views as, as weakness as she views like the shadow is powerful and we are losing to them or at least we have been we're only barely starting to turn things around a bit and we would do a lot better to imitate them a lot more than we currently are mm. Mm. dangerous And please stay in your seats. We are experiencing pirate activity. Oh, there's just some, um, something happening. Um, what? Them. Um, them. Oh, no. <laughs> At the outer edges of space, where union is but a whisper, humanity scrapes together a living amongst the stars. This is the story of four Lancers, talented pilots of mechanized chassis from all corners of the known universe, thrown together by circumstance and destiny, and credits. Follow Macha, Moxie, Roadkill, and Silver, led by me, Reed, your Game Master, through the Lancer system, a mud and laser style anime mecha RPG. I hope they brought some printers with them, because this is Bring Your Own Mech, an actual play Lancer podcast, and batteries are not included. Follow my heading, and I'll see you there. <laughs>